The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. You can find all the lines and available odds, of course, at the DraftKings Sportsbook app. North Carolina listeners, don't forget, DraftKings Sportsbook is now live in your state. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SBNFL. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SBNFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Welcome to Bears Over Beers. I'm Jeff Perkins, a writer for Windy City Gridiron, and I'm joined, as always, by EJ Snyder. EJ, season three, I'm not sure that I can believe it, but here we are. How you doing tonight? I'm fine. That hardly seems possible. It seems like it was, you know, a couple of months ago that we were like, you know, we should do a podcast. And you're like, yeah, we should. And now uh, going on the third year, this seems completely ridiculous, but amazing nonetheless. And yeah, fired up to get it started. Well, we got a great guest to start us off in season three. We have Brad Spielberger from PFF. We're very excited. I missed Brad's first appearance. It was my bye week, and EJ brought him on. And I was very upset with EJ because he did not tell me that he was going to have you on this podcast. We are very excited to welcome you back to Bears Over Beers. Welcome, Brett. Well, yeah, thank you for having me on. Uh, glad to be a repeat guest. Multiple seasons, so I guess I have a, you know an extended cameo, as they say in the biz. Thank you guys so much for having me back on. That's great, and we're really excited for this conversation. And honestly, I think the only repeat customer that we've had is Sam Householder of Windy City Grand and the boss man, Lester Wilfong. So you are in rarefied air. Anytime you get mentioned in the same breath as, as Lester, that's a that's a pretty good deal. So we got some beers. I've got a really nice one to kick off season three. So I'm going to let you guys start. Uh, EJ, you want to kick us off? Uh, I'm going to let guests go first because I just have a sad story, not a beer. Oh, that's oh. A, du- a double sad story. So uh, I just I just picked this one up at the store. Um, it's, it's kind of a funky one. Where's my camera? You, can you see it? Ah, uh, yeah. It's called Save the Robots. Save the Robots IPA. Um, East Coast beer. I'm actually not exactly sure where it's from. Uh, it's good. I'd assume the East Coast. Yes, I'm assuming the East Coast as well. Like I'm not seeing. <laughs> let's see here. Uh, the East Coast of what though? I mean, we have so well, many. Newport, weird Newport Rhode Island. Newport, Rhode Island. That's the official there location. You go. Uh, it's a good, you know, hoppy. Um, but you know, kind of one of those juicier kind of, um, you know, like kind of almost citrusy uh, IPAs. I'm enjoying it. New New England IPA kind of deal. Yeah, it is. It is not a Jeff Burkus beer because he is he that's is okay. anti anti IPA. But that's all right. No, my sad story is I have no beer, and the reason I have no beer is I have plenty of beer in the fridge, but I can't drink any of it because I'm on antibiotics, which sucks. <laughs> so 
Um, instead, I just have some nice fine seltzer here. But uh, yes, I have a nice little infection sitting under one of my teeth. And so I am on a two-week course of antibiotics. And uh, those of you that know, know antibiotics and alcohol, not really a good idea. So no beer for me. What do you got, Jeff? Oh, well, I, <laughs> that is not what I expected to happen today. I have an excellent beer. This is one of my favorites. It is the Canadian Breakfast Stout from Founders. I don't know if you guys are into the Founders Breakfast Stout. Um, obviously, Kentucky Breakfast Stout is uh, very famous. People really like that. I've brought that on the pod before. But this is the Canadian version, which what does that mean? They add maple syrup. Yeah. It is excellent. So you've got chocolate, you've got coffee, it's it's aged in bourbon barrels, so you got all that going on. It is an excellent, excellent stout. So let's I'm gonna get this going here. Start it re- it reminds me of that uh, Dan Aykroyd skit from SNL way back in the day, the Bassomatic. It seems like the founders folks just put like all the good breakfast stuff in a blender and, and hit chop and then strained it and put it in the bottle. They hit on something though. It's an excellent, excellent beer. So I'm I'm excited to bring this on. I don't have a Canadian theme with this tonight or anything. I don't know. Most famous Canadian player that played for the Bears, it, it, Israel Donaje, maybe. I don't, I don't know. Yeah. So oh, for sure. Let's uh, cheers, cheers to him. Yeah, cheers to Izzy. Great player. Good, good pull. All right. So what I wanted to do is I wanted to kick off. We're getting into free agency. The new league year starts here in a couple of weeks. And one of the things that I I want to do as a fan is understand team building. This is how I approach every offseason. I try to see how the different teams around the league are trying to build their team. And one of the things that I think can get confusing is contract, contract structures, salary cap. And there's a lot of terms that are thrown around this time of year. And Brad is an expert at this part of the game. And that's why we brought him on tonight because – he can decode some of these things that EJ and I, we can kind of talk about, but we probably will make some mistakes and trip over ourselves. And so we wanted to run through some things from just definitional conversation, and then we're going to get into some specifics about the Bears roster. So we'll see how this goes. Hopefully this first part will act as kind of like an educational part of the episode. If you know everything, you can skip forward after the break and, and come back and, and listen to what how Brad's going to re-sign Allen Robinson and fit that under the cap. So let's start off salary cap for 2021. What is it? What's it going to be? What are we talking about here? Yeah, so it's looking like it's going to fall in the range of about $180 million to the, the, the ceiling is about $188 million. So um, somewhere in that range, we actually do not know yet, and which is funny because the franchise tag window opened yesterday. Um, so teams can be giving franchise tags out right now, not even knowing what the actual value of those franchise tags are. Uh, it actually happened last year as well. So yeah. So anyway, so it's going to fall about 15 to tw- uh, sorry, 10 to 15 million from 2020's cap, which was 198.2 million. Um, obviously, as a result of you know COVID and all that. So that, that's a phenomenon that no one was really expecting, no one was really anticipating, um, and it's going to lead to you know, a truly unprecedented offseason um, where teams are kind of have to kind of cut down as opposed to building up and, and taking up some of that extra cap they're used to, you know, adding. And one of the things that I think is interesting is, okay, you say it's $180 million, but that is not just the number that you need to think about because every team is 
eligible to carry over a certain amount of their cap from the previous year. I don't know if there's a limit to that. Uh, and some teams barely squeak under. I'm sure the, the Saints carried over 38 cents or something like that. But there's a lot of teams that didn't spend their cap last year, and they're able to, to bring some of that forward. So the real number for each team is a little different. Can you explain that a little bit and maybe kind of give us an idea of what the Bears are carrying over for next year? Yeah, absolutely. So that is a good point. So there's basically the unadjusted cap, which is the league-wide cap, and then every team has their own adjusted cap number, which includes the previous season carryover. So you're allowed to carry over a full amount up to what you were beneath the previous year's unadjusted. So let's say a team, you know, in 2020 had 100, you know, the cap was 198.2. Whatever they spent beneath the 198.2, they could carry over. So you can't kind of, you can't roll over, you know, multiples, right? Like if their, if their 2020 adjusted was 215, they couldn't carry over everything below 215. It always goes back to the unadjusted. But anyways, you're allowed to carry over, you know, the maximum amount you want. Um, I think the lowest this year was actually the Ravens only carried over about 500,000 or something like that. Um, and the Bears carried over about seven, seven and a half million. So their, you know, their adjusted cap number will be whatever it is settled at and then add, I want to say it's about 7.4 million on top of that. Okay. It was kind of like the, was it AT&T or singular uh, wireless way back in the day where you got to roll over your, your, your minutes, rollover minutes, right? You know, <laughs> because they're yours, you get to keep them. And anyway, that's a that's an old poll for some of you younger listeners that uh, didn't have unlimited texting or whatever. All right. <laughs> and we should talk about floor, too. Yeah, you have right. to spend a certain amount, which is yeah, basically the Cincinnati just... Bengals rule. No, yeah, basically. It's very so, smart. Brad, what's the floor? Yeah, so it's, it's, it's a very important point to bring up because I think a lot of folks – Kind of view this. I mean, obviously, the salary cap does kind of suppress wages a bit. That's obviously, you know, the reality of the situation. But the floor is far more important than the ceiling, as we see in sports like baseball, where teams will spend nothing. So it's not a single year floor, but basically, there's tranches of three years, three years, and four years in this current CBA. So the teams starting this year through 2023 have to spend 90% of the, the accumulative total three year cap. So you know, obviously in a given year, you don't want to go too far below 90% because then you just have to spend for kind of no reason. But yeah, so so over the next three years, they have to spend at least 90% of that three-year total. Yeah, that's it's a great point to bring up, EJ, because I think the Jaguars were kind of in that situation a couple years ago where they were just kind of handing out contracts because they had to spend money and their roster was just kind of a complete mess. So they were just like, you know, kind of kid in a candy store they were just going they're to town with breaking the curve is what they were doing because they're offering you know mid-tier linebackers 30 percent more than anybody else and everybody's like what are you doing paying that guy that much and they're like we have to we have to get rid of the money somehow so it's a it's an interesting mechanic it's not just this is the top and you can't spend more than this it's you got to spend this amount and again if you go too far below that you get into a year where you're basically forced like you said, to just sort of throw cash at the wall and see what sticks. Yeah, I think that's uh, it, it's, it's all designed to try to keep parity in the league, and so that, that's a good thing overall, I think. So let's get into some of those contract structures. So there's a lot of terms that will be thrown around, and I think it's important that we're all on the same page. And I think the first place to start is the idea of guaranteed money. And there's different guarantees within a contract, but I think the – the term that you hear most is fully guaranteed. 
and then there's the, the base salary. So a guy might sign this like gigantic contract. He might sign like a $100 million contract, but it's only guaranteed for like $10 million. And so the, the guaranteed number is what a lot of people kind of focus in on. So kind of walk us through the different guarantees and, and what, what are the important things for us to, to know when we hear those numbers? Yeah. So again, a huge part of it, you know, you hear these massive total numbers um, and that's frankly just not the reality of the situation. Um, there's a study done a couple years ago. Basically, the average percentage of a contract that actually gets paid out is about 63%. So, you know, just if you kind of take that as a ballpark number, like guys are not seeing the end of these deals. So, yeah. So, fully guaranteed money means it's guaranteed for skill, cap, and injury. And what that means is that if you want to release the guy because you don't think he's good enough anymore for skill, it's still guaranteed. If you do, if you say you're doing it for cap reasons, so he is still good, but you just have to, still guaranteed. And then injury, of course, you know, injury guarantee. The other one is just called injury guarantee, where it's exclusively if the guy is hurt, but otherwise it's not guaranteed. And so you'll see fully guaranteed, which is everything, and then total guaranteed typically includes that injury guarantee as well. And then the last little component is there's also trigger dates for future guarantees where money, you know, let's say you sign a guy this offseason, but in 2022, there will be a trigger date where more money will become guaranteed. But if you cut that guy before then, then it's not actually guaranteed. So that also would fall into into the total number, which can also, you know, be deceiving within itself. Yep. I think that makes total sense. And like uh, one of the big changes, I think, in the new CBA, the collective bargaining agreement, was that the fifth year option used to be guaranteed only for injury and now the fifth year option when you pick it up on a first round draft pick is fully guaranteed correct yeah so i mean that, that was the leonard floyd situation so we saw something that's no longer the case you know happened just last offseason where his his contract was guaranteed for injury only and by releasing him when they did they were not on the hook for a dime now as soon as you exercise that option so for 2018 picks this offseason as soon as they exercise it it's fully guaranteed which was also interesting that the Bears decided to not pick up the Mitchell Trubisky fifth-year option because that was not a fully guaranteed uh, option. It was just an injury-guaranteed option. So the Bears not picking up that option last year was actually incredibly meaningful, as EJ and I talked about last year. But one of the new terms, at least new to me, I don't know how long this has been around, but I want to say in the last couple of years it's kind of come to my attention that some players are signing void years at the end of the deal. And I, I, I hear it a, a few times, and I don't really understand it besides just uh, the Saints basically trying to play magician with their cap. Yeah, so uh, to, unfortunately, I think also the reason you've heard it is that it, it's somewhat seen as a bit of a taboo um, concept across the NFL. It's kind of known as like a salary cap, like last-ditch effort and last resort. The Bears have now kind of entered the fold there, and they have it about about five or six contracts as well. But yes, the Saints and Eagles were kind of the pioneers in that regard. And basically, all a void year is, is it's a dummy contract year. It's a fake contract year, and all you're doing is, is, is placeholding prorated money. So bonus money, signing bonus money, you can push it out over the life of the contract up to five years. So if you want to reduce, you know, current year cap hit, you can add a couple void years on the end of a contract. So let's say it's really a three-year deal, but you want to turn that bonus money, you want to make it as small as possible in 2021, you tack on two more void years, and that $20 million bonus, instead of being, you know, three, 6.66 million, it's five, $4 million prorations. So you save yourself additional money. Um, so that's all that is. It's, it's, yeah, it is. 
some people ask me, how is that legal? I don't get how that's, you know, that's allowed. Uh, it's, it's a fair question. But I, I think what what's probably important to kind of talk about, too, is when these guys sign, they get the money, right? Like the, they get the check, the signing bonus is given to them. So they have it in their bank account. But this is the accounting for how the team pays it on the books, right? It's, exactly so it's, right. it's not like they're waiting five years to cash that last check, they've already got the money, and the money—the money in real life has already been changed hands. But this is just how we're doing this from an accounting perspective on that almighty cap number. Yep, that's one hundred percent right. Okay, that's an important point too, because a lot of fans, when you get into these discussions, start talking about, well, next year they have to pay him, and you're like, no, <laughs> they don't. They already paid him. You know, 30% of that, that signing bonus, the day he signed, went in his pocket, and the player's been making interest on that since then, and good for them. Get get paid while you can, players, because none of these, very few of these contracts are fully, fully guaranteed. Uh, you see that in baseball a lot, other sports, basketball. Um, coaching salaries, strangely, are guaranteed. So if you cut a coach who's in a middle of a six-year contract and he's only coached for three, he gets paid for the next three years, but that's not the same for players. So a lot of times you get into it, everybody's looking at it in a yearly slice, and that's the team accounting, right? That's how the team's paying out that money. That's what their yearly slice is. But the player got that signing bonus money in the beginning. So it's you end up having these discussions about, no, they, they don't have to pay him that this year. They already paid him that. Now they just got to figure out how they fit it in this overall envelope. All right, next concept is something that you'll hear potentially of front-loaded contracts or back-loaded contracts. Now, this to me is a really good indicator of what your cap health is. And I think a really good example of a team that was front-loading contracts recently was the 49ers. They were signing guys, giving them a lot of money early, and it allowed them to get out of the contracts if they wanted. Back-loading contracts, again, we go back to the Saints, we go back to the Eagles, and unfortunately I think the Bears have been doing a lot of that as well. But kind of talk about that concept of front-loading and back-loading. Yeah, 100%. So the 49ers is a great example. Um, the most notable one was Jimmy Garoppolo where they gave him a massive roster bonus, and so that's different than a signing bonus, a roster bonus all hits in that one year. Um, and yeah, so they had a lot of cap space. They knew they probably were a couple years away, you know, when they signed in, what, 2016, 2017. So what they did was that it makes it easier now to get out of the contract now. His dead money, which is basically remaining prorated money if he were to get cut, you know, today, is $2.8 million. It's almost nothing. Because instead of a huge signing bonus, they just had a big roster bonus in the first year, capitalized on that, you know, a lot of space, and, and now it's easier on the back end. Um, whereas, like, with Carson Wentz or Jared Goff, kind of the opposite example, where, you know, Carson Wentz is going to cost almost $34 million on the Eagles cap this, this season, um, not on the roster. So it's kind of the opposite situation. So backloading is the reverse, where... You need short-term cap space because you don't have a lot, and you just push as much money down the road as possible, all in bonuses. Drew Brees, another example, is going to cost probably, you know, his total remaining money of prorated money is about $22 million. He's going to retire, but the Saints still have to account for that on their cap as well because they've just continued to push it down the road as far as possible. So backloading a contract, if you somehow get out of that contract by either cutting or trading, that triggers the word dead money or the term dead money. So talk about 
dead money. And then I think that it's important to understand the idea of the dead money that was on the contract in future years accelerating to the current year. Yep, yep. Basically, because you're allowed to manipulate this accounting tool and create short-term flexibility, you don't just get away with that scot-free and kind of just, you know, you, you got to pay the credit card bill eventually. And so dead money is basically any remaining guaranteed money. So guaranteed prorated money that you still owe to the player on your cap, even after he's no longer on your roster. So Carson Wentz obviously is the big example. And the acceleration point is huge in that Carson Wentz had a signing bonus and an option bonus that were pushed out over the life of the contract. And, and each portion was you know, slated to be paid over the next X amount of years remaining. When he gets traded, all of it comes back up to the current year. So instead of it being, again, like I mentioned, that $20 million that we had example before, where it was five, $4 million you know, separations, let's say he was two years into that deal and then they traded him. Instead of it being you know, the three last years had four each, all 12 would come up you know, into that current year. Yeah, I was having a conversation with somebody on uh, the Bears' Twitter last year or two years ago, and they were very insistent that it was a really good idea to try to trade Khalil Mack. And I and I said, uh, this is not what you think it is. First of all, don't let's not trade Khalil Mack because he's a really good player uh, and really great teammate and great in the locker room and, and everything that you want in a, in a face of a franchise. But also, the contract that he signs makes it very untenable to want to to move on from that so the last term well i guess i got two more but i want to talk about actually i wanted to talk about Khalil Mack a little bit because i think that he's a good example of someone who's had some of his salary converted to a signing bonus so that you can spread it out over the life of a contract and so that is a way that teams are trying to open up near-term cap flexibility for Kind of explain how that happens and particularly how it happens for guys that are sort of those elite players with those big base salary contracts. Yep. So, yeah, it's kind of the same example. Um, you know, when you hear someone say that a player restructured their deal, this is 99% of the time what they're talking about. And it's basically, it's happened twice now for Mac already since he signed. Let's say he hypothetically has, you know, a $15 million base salary for 2021. Let's say he has three years left on his deal. They can go ahead and say, all right, we're going to drop this base salary down to the minimum salary, and then we're going to take the remainder. We're going to give it to you as a bonus again. So importantly, as EJ said, he's still getting his cash up front. Um, but then we're going to prorate it over the remaining years of the contract from a cap perspective. So it's true to the same, you know, it's basically a mid-contract signing bonus, so to speak. But you get the cap flexibility again. But again, as you mentioned, it, it again adds to that dead money counter. Um, and that's why max number is you know, so astronomically high because, yeah, he had a big signing bonus in the beginning, sure, but they've also now converted, you know, salary into a bonus twice for him, um, which just continues to add to that prorated money column. They just kind of keep layering the cake into the future, right? And they just keep, you know, keep stacking up. It's like a three-layer cake of dead money now. We talked about Khalil when Brad was here last time because, again, Brad's the guy that I reached to when I get into this with a fan and a fan says, you know, the the big one, you, you put it up, the red flag this offseason is trade Khalil Mack. And I was like, I, I finally started putting some numbers together saying, okay, if you're going to do that, you're going to pay Khalil Mack. And the number worked out to something like 20-something million, uh, you know, post-June 1st, which is a deadline for uh, before or after in terms of 
releases and salary money. And I reached out to Brad. And I was like, is this right? Like, if you trade Khalil Mack, is this the number that, again, accelerates onto your cap this year? And he's like, yeah. So, again, the Bears, a very cap-tight team this year, especially with the cap going down. They don't have a ton of extra money. And you're saying they're going to pay whatever it was, 20-something million to not have Khalil Mack on the team. Yeah. <laughs> and fans are like, what do you mean? And you're like, this is what you're saying. If you're saying trade Khalil Mack, it costs this much right now to do it. And the Bears don't have any cap space. So who else are you going to cut to not have Khalil Mack on the team? And they're like, wait, 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 what? <laughs> and that's why these conversations are really valuable is because the mechanics of how this all works and what it really means, they're just thinking it's like Monopoly, right? I'll just sell my biggest hotel and then I won't, I'll get the money, right? I'll be able to spend that money this year. And it's like, no, you'll actually spend money to sell that hotel to the tune of 20 million bucks. And they're like, oh. Okay, well, maybe Akeem Hicks. And you're like, that's actually a little more tenable. Not much, but yeah. So that's why these discussions are valuable because you can tell if someone is grounding their argument in reality, whether or not they say to trade Khalil Mack this year. If you're like, eh, I don't think so. If you're trading Khalil Mack, you're tearing it down. That's what you're arguing for. That you, Completely. You were saying, yeah. you know, fire pace, fire, fire Nagy, and tear it all down. And take a take a gap year, basically, if you will, and and come back stronger in twenty twenty two, twenty twenty two, probably twenty twenty three. I was gonna, you know, I was like, yeah, yeah. twenty twenty, yeah, twenty twenty three. Really, it's kind of probably for the Bears, probably needs more than one. But you kind of bridged us into this. But if the Bears are over the cap, which ooh, kind of tease that there a little bit too. You're going to have some cap casualties, guys that are going to likely be cut for no other reason than trying to get the Bears under the cap or free up money to do things that they find more important. There's a couple of really obvious cuts that the Bears can make, but talk about the idea of cap casualties and in the context of this year, your prediction of just how crazy this offseason might look. Yeah, so, you know, like you said, a cap casualty is a guy that you frankly would like to have on the roster still, but just not at the dollar number you have for him. Um, and, and the cap space that you're going to clear up, you just, you know, this offseason you need, so it kind of forces the decision. Um, it's going to be rampant this offseason, it is. You know, I, I, I've had, I recently had pushback that it's going to be not as crazy as we're expecting. There's still going to be a lot of them, um, but they do happen kind of every offseason. Um, you know, teams, frankly, don't like to pay for guys more than they, they think they need to. But there are going to be some tough decisions, no doubt. Um, in Chicago, there's kind of some obvious ones. Uh, I think Buster Screen, Jimmy Graham, and, and potentially Bobby Massey are kind of the three big ones you look at. Where you know all guys produce to some extent, and, and like they're not they're not a negative on your roster, but they're not playing up to the level that warrants you know paying them as much as they're going to earn. Uh, but yeah, so around the league, you're going to see you know a handful of good players that you're kind of going to say this guy's a good. Like, I thought this guy was a good player. I thought this guy has been a good player for a long time. Um, you know, why are they getting rid of him? It's not because they don't think he's productive. He'll likely go ahead and sign with someone else and, and be a productive player again. But, you know, like one example, like Geno Atkins, he had a, he had a, definitely had a down year, but he had a decade of very good play, you know, before that. But his cap number is, some, I think it's like $15 million, and the Bengals saved about 12 of that with a cut. You know, the, the, it's, it's kind of an easy decision. And, yes, he might sign on elsewhere for, you know, $7, 8000000 million a year, but the first-year cap it could be, you know, $5 bucks. And so 
you know, and then he goes on to have a good year, and fans are like, oh my god, why did we cut this guy? He's still very good. Well, yeah, but he cost that team $10 million less on their cap, and that is a factor, and it's part of the calculation. So I do think you're going to see it across the league, that some tough decisions. Um, some have already happened, you know, in, in, in the couple weeks we've had since the Super Bowl. But yeah, every team's going to have two or three kind of tough decisions in that regard. So what I'd like to do is I'd like to bring you on to our live stream. So Steven Schweikert runs Windy City Gridiron's live stream. And I think it'd be kind of fun if we did a live stream where we use the over-the-cap tool uh, calculator that I think that you might have actually been part of developing, or I know you used to work for the website. And walk me through it, because I, I, I got to tell you, I've tried it out, and I get to the point where I say, extend Kyle Fuller, because believe me, that's what I would love to see. And and it says, well, how much are you going to pay him? And I'm like, I don't know. Give him, give him what he wants. And then it just gets kind of off the rails from there. And so... I would like you to help us through some scenarios that uh, would show how the Bears get under their cap. That's the first step. And then how we can maybe run through some things like how do we open up some money for a potential free agent quarterback? Or how do we, um, you know, how do we keep Allen Robinson? Is it, is it a franchise tag? Is it something longer term? And so I am inviting you onto the Windy City live stream sometime next week to go through the over the cap tool. Something you're interested in? That'd be a ton of fun. I'd be happy to. Um, I, I First and foremost, I can take no credit for the cap calculator tool. Shout out to Nick Corte and Jason Fitzgerald at overthecap.com. Um, but yeah, it's a fun tool. I, I, I do understand that the kind of that second part where it's okay, I want to extend him, but what am I supposed to give him? I know that, you know, can be a bit of a challenge, but uh I'm, I'm happy to come on and, and we'll do some scenarios, go through some hypotheticals, um, kind of talk through how you structure a contract and how you structure it in a way to obviously clear cap room is what we're, you know, the, the, the conversation's all about. So yeah, I'd be happy to. That'd be a lot of fun. That's awesome. So, all right. So next week, check out Twitter, check out Windy City Gridiron. We'll get it up. It'll be sometime in the middle of the week. We'll do a live stream. We'll get Steven to, to run it for us and, and, uh, We'll, uh, we'll bring Brad on and we'll run through some scenarios. So join us and hit us up in the comments and let us know what you want to see in that. So we'll, we'll save that for next week. We'll take a quick break. Uh, and on the other side of this, we're going to run through the free agents that the Bears have coming up and what we think is going to happen with them. Stick with us. All right, guys, we're back. So I want to do this free agency exercise in, in, a, in a very different way. I want to talk about some individual players. I want to talk about what their likely value is. I know Brad's done a ton of work on this, and it's very fascinating to me. And then I want us to kind of predict what we think the Bears will do, and then I want us to give our opinions on what we would do if we were the general manager of the Bears. And then if they, if we think that the Bears won't resign this player, I want to predict a, a destination where this player might land, where you think he might fit. So... Let's start with the obvious one, Allen Robinson. You have Allen Robinson as a very high-level free agent in a lot of your, your free agency guides. Where is he ranked right now for you in terms of potential free agents, and what do you think uh, a good contract value for him is on the open market? Yeah, so frankly, I think um, the only receiver that I could you know plausibly put ahead of him uh, is Chris Godwin, and most of that is just because of age. Um, you know, Godwin's going to be 24, um, Robinson's 27, going to be 28 relatively soon. So 
I mean, look, he, he's a number one, you know, outside wide receiver. Uh, and, and I think if he does hit the market, which doesn't seem super likely, um, there's no reason to think he will not top 20 million per year. So, yeah, I, I think with the Bears, something in the range of four years, about $80 million. So it's, a, you know, 20 million per year with about 50 million of that in total guaranteed. It's a fair contract for both parties. You know, frankly, the Keenan Allen extension before the season really kind of changed the game at, at wide receiver. I know everyone points to DeAndre Hopkins. Um, you know, his was $27.25 million in, in, in new money APY, which is, you know, obviously astronomically high. But Keenan Allen, thir- third deal, 29 years old, also tore his ACL early in his career and operates kind of like 40, 45% of his snaps in the slot, which traditionally we've kind of viewed as a, as a league as kind of less valuable. He's not a true slot receiver, but, but you know, more than Robinson, more than Hopkins, obviously. So that, I think, just kind of raised the floor across the board for a lot of guys. So, yeah, he's, I think he's our third-ranked free agent at any position uh, over at PFF. So he's a premier free agent. Yeah, that's impressive. I mean, if he does leave, it does equate to a, a, a comp pick if the, the Bears stay out of free agency. But he's way more valuable than the comp pick that you're going to receive for him in 2022. Uh, so I, I really hope to see that the Bears uh, keep him. EJ, what do you think that the Bears do here? Do you think they exercise the franchise tag, or do you think that they can get a deal done? Or yeah, do you think they let him walk? Well, uh it's tough because we are obviously an Allen Robinson stand podcast, and with good reason. He is a tremendous player. Uh, we don't take any slander towards Allen Robinson around these parts. And you look at what he produced with we will call very uneven quarterbacking, and there's no doubt that he is a tremendous player. So I would love for that reason and many others for him to stay a bear. I don't think that's possible. Now, of course it's possible. You can make the money, but the Bears are in a tough cap position and they're going to have a lot of other uh, cap considerations to make. We talked about Kyle Fuller needing an extension. Wide receiver is a necessary position in the NFL, and you could argue that uh, outside of Allen Robinson, the Bears have one other sure thing at wide receiver, and that's Darnell Mooney. He is an excellent wide receiver. He is not a number one, but he is an excellent wide receiver. And the reality is you need like three really good wide receivers in the modern NFL. If I'm Allen Robinson from a player perspective, I really want to know who my quarterback's going to be. I don't care how much money you want to give me. I'm at the point of my career. Brad talked about it. I'm getting to be 28 years old. I have had... uh let's be nice, mostly garbage fires as my quarterback for my entire career. I would like to go someplace where a guy can throw me the ball with some kind of regularity because I know I can produce. I've produced without that. I would like to try and produce with that. The Bears, I think, might take the middle ground here and try and tag and trade him because they could franchise tag him, then then send him somewhere for a pick. And while picks are not a sure thing and Allen Robinson is – the money is the kicker here. If you're talking about 20 million APY, 50 guaranteed, that's a chunk of change in a year where you don't really have that kind of money to throw around and you don't have a quarterback. So unless you think you can go cheap on the quarterback, which again is not going to make Allen Robinson very happy, you're going to have to find money in a bunch of other places, probably not just one. And that makes it tough. So uh, I have to I have to preface this with I spent the last two weeks digging through the wide receiver class for 2021, and it is 
amazing. <laughs> it is ridiculously deep. Now, is any one of those guys guaranteed to turn out like Allen Robinson? No, it is you're giving you're giving away a sure thing and probably looking to try and pick up two or maybe three to get maybe three quarters of his production. But you'd be doing it at about a fifth the money for the three guys, right? Because there's enough depth in this class, especially guys. Sometimes we lack tall guys that can play outside. Not the case in this class. It's ridiculously deep. So if you can tag him, get him off the books, trade him and get some picks and start reloading that wide receiver core, I think that might be the middle ground that they have to take. I want to see him on the team. I'm not sure how he fits just purely from a money perspective. In every other way, he fits perfectly. But from a money perspective, I'm not sure how they get that done and accomplish other things. Well, I'm going to slip into pure Jeff fan mode here because Alan Robinson, friend of the pod, been on the pod, you know, probably our most famous guest. And I have this weird feeling that something's going to get done. I hope so. I, I, I hope you're right. I, I think that he's got – he's putting down roots in Chicago. Like he's – his his charitable work in Chicago, I think he want he wanted to be here. It was very clear that he chose Chicago coming out of Jacksonville. I think he just wants to be in Chicago. And I know things haven't been great in terms of the communication between Ryan Pace and him, but I, I just – I, I think I, I'm gonna again. I've got my fan hat on, but I think something gets done. That and and it's certainly what I would do. I would I would keep him around. I would make him the uh, career leader in everything Bears receiving because he just doesn't. He just has to play like two more years, and he's gonna own pretty much every Bears record. And I I think that he's exactly what you want in a wide receiver one. And we talked about Keenan Allen. He actually made Ke- the Keenan Allen comp himself when when I interviewed him. And I've always thought that he was very similar to Keenan Allen, minus the, the the reps out of the slot. And so I think that's a really good player to bring up. And I think that if you can get creative on the contract structure, you find a way. Because he's exactly what you want in terms of a leader uh, in that wide receiver core. And he's someone that's reliable. He He's, you know, he's playing all the, all the games. He's, he's, he's making crazy amount of catches given the inaccurate throws that he's been uh, given as targets. I think you want to do everything you can to make him happy, and I'm just hopeful that they come around to their senses and do that. So let's say that he either gets tagged and traded or hits the open market, which you know I hope doesn't happen. But, uh, Brad, do you have any sense of kind of the top players for a guy like Robinson? I think uh, the Washington football team is very interesting. Um, I, I know they made a substantial offer for Amari Cooper last offseason, because um, for whatever reason, the Cowboys let him reach the tampering window. Um, and, and so I know they're looking for a true X. Terry McLaurin's a great player, but I think a true you know, outside X, big-body guy to, to complement with him would just be – would really take his play to the next level. Um, and so I think they're very interesting. Um, and then I think Miami is, is, is worth keeping an eye on. Um, I've also kind of heard they're, they're interested in Jamar Chase, even potentially at the third overall pick, um, which you know, I, I would be – you know I go for it because the, the kid is an absolute freak um but yeah those are two teams i think would be interesting okay. and have the resources all right well let's move on to a guy that god we just have not talked enough about on this <laughs> podcast and that is quarterback mitchell trubisky so i called this my my feeling was 
basically when they didn't pick up the fifth year option that Mitchell Trubisky wasn't going to be here in 2021. And I saw nothing that really convinced me otherwise during the season, even when he won the job out of camp. I was like, eh, okay, we'll see. He, obviously, he got the quick hook, and then he came, and then he came uh, back uh, after the, you know Foles was injured, and and Trubisky was less injured. Was the conversation? I don't know what happened there at the end of the year. And even with the run against the bad defenses, I I just I didn't see the idea that they would bring him back. So if that's gonna happen, let's one of you can say it because I'm not going to, but. I'm assuming that he's going to be landing somewhere else. So what is his value on the open market? What is he looking for? Is he looking for a, pl- a place where he can be the unquestioned starter? Is he competing or is he dropping into a backup role uh, to try to rehab his career behind somebody else like a Jameis Winston did last year? Yeah, these reclamation project quarterbacks are interesting because it, it frankly, it takes one. Like you saw with Marcus Mariota last offseason – and if I told you guys before that he was going to sign for two years, $17.6 million in base value with incentives that are, frankly, bonkers, it could have taken it's like $40 million over two years. Um, you know, obviously, the Raiders knew he wasn't going to start much. But, yeah, so I kind of think the same market's going to develop. I think a team is going to convince themselves that they can turn his career around. By all accounts, you can't find a person who doesn't speak extremely highly of him as a person. Um, so, yeah, like a two-year, $15 million deal where – you know, the, the vast majority of guarantees are in that first year, so it's kind of a one-year deal and then a kind of a wait-and-see approach. I, I don't – because of the kind of the, the saturation at quarterback on the market this offseason, I, I frankly don't think there is a starting job available to him. So I think the only route really is go somewhere, be a backup, um, try to learn from a guy, try to, get, like you said, you know, recreate your image. And then, yeah, if a guy goes down with injury or otherwise, you know, step up and, and try to kind of have a flash of – you know, a couple of good games is all it takes. I mean, Teddy Bridgewater had five starts in New Orleans. I mean, he went five and zero and looked solid, um, including a you know a nice win over the Bears in Chicago that year. So and signed for three years, sixty million. So it doesn't take much. Um, but I think it's going to be a small deal. Like that, that might even be high, and he might be looking at like a one year five million, like more of a Jameis Winston. Where where do you guys see him landing? I'm kicking at DJ. <laughs> He's he. <laughs> Uh, he's got value uh, in the league because he's got tools and he is an athletic quarterback. We've seen him use his legs, and there are a lot of systems, quite frankly, and a lot of coaches who don't view that as um, a maybe, as a variable in their system. They're building their system on rollouts and boots. They need a quarterback that's mobile, not necessarily to pick up big yards with his legs. We're not talking about Lamar or Kyler. We're talking about a guy that has very good running ability, but really is mobile and can get to either side of the pocket and has a big arm, right? When Trubisky unleashes his arm, he's got arm talent. So you get those two things together. You get a lot of starting experience, which is rare in backups. Mitch Trubisky has started more games than almost any backup will have uh, in the NFL. Somebody's going to say, hey, that guy is a guy that we can put in as a tool. I look at a place like, I'm not saying it's going to happen because they don't have any money, but the Saints, right? He would fit really well in Sean Payton's offense. Again, not as a starter, but as the backup. I look at a place like San Francisco. 
right? They're, John Lynch just came out today and said, nope, I'm sure Jimmy G is going to be our starter, but we all know uh, what we can do with that piece of paper before the season actually occurs, right? And I could see a guy like Shanahan saying, yep, that's a guy I could bring off the bench, right? He's a little more mobile than a Nick Mullins. He's got a bigger arm. We could do some things with that guy. Now, again, every quarterback coach and every head coach thinks they can save a guy. They all say this, I can fix him, right? And that's really the thing with Trubisky. But he has tools. He has starting experiences. And I'm with Brad. Somebody's going to talk themselves into not a starting gig. I really don't think that's going to happen. But a like, hey, we're, we're excited to have this guy. We got him kind of on the cheap. We think this is a steal. Um, and we'll see. But uh, there's certainly enough folks from the Shanahan coaching tree around the league um, that like that mobility. I mean... Uh, it's not going to happen because they just spent a pick on a quarterback last year. But, you know, if he wasn't there, I could see him fitting in Lafleur's offense pretty well, right? Going up north and being with the Packers. But they've got a Jordan Love, so that's not going to happen. <laughs> Can you imagine the Packer fan reaction to that? Oh, yes, I, I can. I've got him in <laughs> Buffalo. I think that he would be interesting to back up uh, – uh, Mr. Allen up there, and I just, I I just would think be, it'd be kind of an interesting... I'd be fascinated to see what Ken Dorsey specifically could do with Mitch Trubisky, because Ken Dorsey worked miracles, and I do mean miracles, like statistical miracles with Josh Allen. Him and Brian Dable, and Dable, you know, famously didn't Dable's get in. Yeah, he didn't get a head coaching gig, so he is back, and the Dable-Dorsey combination, if... If I was Mitch Trubisky and they offered me a one-year $2 million deal, I would go. Because I don't really care about the money. Whatever those guys could teach a guy like Josh Allen, who had many of the same limitations, uh, again, not physical, but decision, process, accuracy, those were all the, the knocks on Allen coming out of Wyoming. If I'm Mitch Trubisky, I'm looking at that and going, look at where Josh Allen is now. Give me that juice. I'll go. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, and I think that's a selling point for them if they really wanted to bring him up. The thing that I have a little bit, if I'm if I'm a GM thinking about bringing him in as a backup, I'm looking at how the Bears elevated Tyler Bray so that they could have Tyler Bray on the sidelines holding the clipboard, watching things for, for Nick Foles because they knew they couldn't get that level of value out of Mitchell Trubisky. He's not someone that they can count on to be on the sidelines and picking up stuff that's going to help the starter. And so if you view your if you view your backup quarterback as a if our starter gets hurt, we can come in and we can get 80%, that's one thing. If you view your backup quarterback as this guy is going to help my starter week to week, <clears throat> excuse me, week to week in the room, then that's not a, that's not Trubisky at this point in his career. No, I think if you've got a strong guy, specifically if we're talking about the Buffalo situation, Josh Allen has ascended. He is playing. Yeah, no, he's there. That's why I I want him there. Yeah, Yeah. absolutely. He's he's playing at a level where he doesn't need that guy behind him. Last year, he did. This year and and going forward, that's not really something Josh is going to need. So it is a question of landing spot and what they think they can get. But, uh, yeah, it's interesting. Everybody's going to think they can fix him. And, again, he's got value because he's got tools. He's got starting experience. And he can bring you a lot as a backup physically. Now, what he can do in terms of leadership and whatever else is really how he meshes with the system where he lands and the coaches. So we'll have to wait and see on that. It'll be interesting. Uh, I want to move on to another guy that many coaches have seen the – 
greatest athlete ever and wanted to give him all of the carries and all of the targets. And that is Cordero Patterson, who has become a fan favorite. Uh, I love CP. I want to know, is he coming back? Uh, and what is his value? What do you think he w- it would take to bring him back on the Bears? Well, he's the GM, according to his Twitter account, so he can tell you. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> but yeah, so the thing with P- Patterson's interesting. Um, he signed for two years, $10 million the first time. And, you know, they, they clearly thought there was going to be some wide receiver ability cooked into that. Um, and they tried it, and it didn't, you know, really work out. So then they kind of shifted their attention fully to using him as a running back. Obviously still one of the best return men in the game. There's no question about that. But, you know, starting it up there a bit in age, obviously, which – uh, you know, his speed is a huge component of his game. He's also, I mean, he's a, he's a bruiser, too. Like he's, he's a physical specimen, honestly. But if he wants to come back to the Bears, I think he would have to take a smaller deal than that two years, 10, uh, 10 million, kind of in the two years, seven, eight million range. And I think he could probably do better elsewhere. There's there's unquestioned value in, in having a guy that can house like two kicks a year, um, give you a couple carries, preferably not third and short carries. But uh <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, uh, interesting. Very interesting question there. I mean, they obviously you know could use some some help in the wide receiver room. I guess again, he's kind of a, a running back now for the Bears. But yeah, very interesting one there. It's kind of all over the place, and I think there's always value in just speed. And so you know, I don't think the Bears can afford to, to replicate his deal. But I think from his perspective, he would say, well, you know, I I, I kind of lived up to that contract, so why wouldn't I at least get that again? I'm not that much older, and I, and I clearly haven't slowed down that much. So. I'm not, I don't know if I see him back in Chicago, even though he clearly loves it here, too. Yeah, I, I, I mentioned this to EJ before, but the best gunner I have ever seen in Navy, Navy and Orange. Like, I've never seen anyone win instantly off the line and then just be waiting there for the, the, the punt to drop into the punt returner's hands. Like, honestly, it's so much fun to watch. I've never had more fun watching a punt uh, until Cordell Patterson came and played for the Bears because I'm like, oh, I'm, 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 my eyes are glued to what he's going to do and how fast he's going to get down there. But, EJ, what would you do if you were Ryan Pace here? Because this is a guy that, you know, his value is mostly in the special teams. It's nice to have that kick return solved, which was something that we really, you know, saw the Bears struggle with for, for the first few years of Ryan Pace. But this is an expensive special teams player. Is this someone you're going to bring back? I would take a run at it along with what Brad said. You're not going to give him the same level of deal because you, A, can't afford it, and, B, your expectations are a little bit lower. There was that we're going to use him all over the place. We're going to give him carries. We're going to give him targets. We're going to give him you know kick returns. We're going to put him on the coverage team. Like We're going to use him everywhere, and, and $5 million bucks for that seems like a real value. The guy's playing in you know two phases on t- at least two of your special teams, if not three that's really where he's got his value and you're he did improve as a running back i'm glad they moved him out of the wide receiver room and he started to show some running back instincts because before that it was just athlete he was just big and fast and he didn't have all the things you want your running back to have vision balance little bit of patience he started to develop those. I remember the first multi-cut run I saw him rip off, and it was in the second half of last year, and I thought, oh, my God, cheat code. Wait, he knows he can do that now? <laughs> like, And it he showed some development as a running back, which is cool. But, again, you don't want him on third and short carry. So the, the running back value is extremely limited. You really just do have to look at this as a great locker room guy and a force on special teams, and that's not – 
typically $5 million bucks a year. It's a great value in your roster and that you only have to pay one guy where you might have to pay two. And he clearly loves Chicago. Like, he is into it. He is into being a Bear. He is into his teammates. He seems well integrated. So for that alone, I would say, hey, we'll give you a contract, but we're not going to push the money. And if somebody else throws a bag of money on the table, you got to let him go. Yeah, I'm bringing him back. Um, all right, let's move on to <laughs> the safety market and Tayshawn Gibson. I've made this comment before. I feel like the safety opposite Eddie Jackson is like the red shirt in Star Trek where you know that you're not coming back the next year. We're just going to bring in a new red shirt every year uh, because you spent so much money on Eddie Jackson. You've invested so much. Why overspend for that second safety. I think that's the approach that Ryan Pace has taken. So the safety market is crazy right now. There are a ton of expected safeties, and that was the case last year. And there are just a lot of really good players. And so I, I Gibson played fine. He's a fine safety, but there are a lot of guys that I think would provide more juice to that back end and maybe a little bit more uh, to, to what the new defense is going to look like. And I think I would rather go fishing. I would rather go out and see what I can get. Where are you guys at with, with Gibson and his potential return to this team? Yeah, I'm with you. I think he was okay. I agree. I, you know, he didn't, you know, he wasn't like, I wouldn't say he was a negative, but I wouldn't say he was a strong positive either. Um, and, and the big piece there, though, is the safety market is absolutely flooded with talent. Not that they're going to go out and sign one of the big names, as you mentioned. You have Eddie Jackson, and so we've kind of seen the revolving door, um, you know, and I think HaHa ha Clinton Dix, of course, every player is different, but HaHa ha Clinton Dix looks so good opposite Eddie, signed for, I want to say, one year $3.75 million in Dallas and didn't even make the roster. So, you know, I, you know, Gibson, I think, is kind of in a similar boat where I don't think he's going to have a huge market. Um, you know, he's in his 30s now, you know, as a DB. I would bring him back if it was for about the same as this year, which is a near minimum contract. Um, but I th I'm with you that he, I think you could also just kind of shop around. Um, you know, Trey Boston just got cut this year. He is more of a deep third kind of free safety, so maybe not great opposite Eddie. Kind of like a Rayshon Jenkins from the Chargers. Like I, I'm, I'm going, I'm going bargain bin shopping there, just looking for a guy that can still play in the deep half, but is more of a can play down in the box a little bit better. Kind of bring you some some skills opposite Eddie that that kind of has value in other other components. So yeah, we'll we'll see on him. I mean, I guess. Sean Desai, the new defensive coordinator, obviously knows the safety room very well. Um, but I'm with you. I think they probably just just kind of look at you know some of the cheap options again. Yeah, I'm, AJ, what do you think? I'm not bringing him back. And he played very average for yep. most of the year. He had one good game, um, which was televised at the end of the year. The people got they were like, "Oh, he made a play," and I was like, "Yeah, but you got to look at the other <laughs> like 14 games where he didn't." Um, so we have three factors that are playing together here. I guess four, if you want to talk about his level of play, wasn't tremendous. We talked about the free agent safety market, and I'll read off some of those names. We talked about Sean Desai, who is a defensive backs coach, has been through three Bear administrations, is now the D.C., and he is a Fangio Sta uh, Staley, Brandon Staley disciple, right? He worked with both of those guys on the same staff. And he's not going to play single high coverages. He is bringing two high coverages. So the whole yeah. like Eddie high and a guy in the box thing is not going to be the majority of snaps. So that's a sort of scheme fit thing. And then you got money. You've got all these guys who are on the market. And I'll read off some of these names and, and you'll see that. And we just talked about the money 
being less, right? It's going to be like musical chairs. There are going to be guys left that don't have a chair when the music ends. Not all these guys are going to get big contracts. They can't. The money's not there in the league. So I would go and try and get a guy that is maybe marginally better for what you want to do in scheme and is available. But we're talking about, now this is top end, Justin Simmons, John Johnson, and Anthony Harris. And I would put Marcus May in there as well. Marcus Williams, too. You're going five deep. Those are five of the best safeties in the league who were free agents this year. Keanu Neal is a really interesting name coming out of Atlanta because he is a heavier hitter, but he still has range, and I think he can be better than Gibson. Trey Boston, Brad mentioned him. Carl Joseph, who had a stint with the Browns, played okay. Malik Hooker, who is much like Eddie, but has had trouble staying healthy. When he is healthy, he is amazing. Daniel Sorensen from the Chiefs, who is a great second safety, but is probably going to get paid because he had a really high profile. Obviously, team goes to the Super Bowl. Eric Harris, Deron Harmon, who Bears fans were beside themselves trying to sign the last time he was a free agent, Tayshawn Gibson, and Jakiski uh, Tart, who a lot of people wanted to draft in Chicago. So all those names are available. They're not all going to get paid. And we know the system's going to be a little bit different. And on top of that, Gibson didn't play, uh, I would say, any more than average. And in fact, if you really dug into the tape, he had a lot of games that were kind of below average. I say you go. Plus, there's some guys in the draft. Safety's not a strength of this draft, but there are absolutely guys out there that can play. So you might go looking for a third or fourth round safety and, and try and hit the Eddie money again in terms of you know, you hit the lottery with a, with a mid-round safety. And even if you don't, you're paying a whole lot less. Um, so I don't think Gibson comes back for that, like, multitude of factors coming together. It just doesn't point to, hey, let's go throw some money at Tayshawn Gibson. <laughs> yeah, I agree. And I, I think that the one thing that the Bears can be attractive to for a potential free agent is like, hey, come on in. Start next to these guys that are pretty dang good, and you're going to look really good, and you might rehab your, uh, you know, you might improve in the next time the market comes up, and maybe you don't have so many top safeties in that market, you know, whatever. I'm, whatever pitch you have to make, make it. But I think that hey, our new DC is a defensive backs coach. <laughs> yeah, it's not an unattractive spot for for a safety to land. It is actually a really good spot because you're going to be put in a good position to succeed. And I think that at the end of the day, that's what a lot of these guys are looking for. If they don't get the bag this year, they're looking to how do they get the bag the next year. So let's, you know, play it up. All right, let's get into front seven guys. I just, I put them all together because I don't really know how to decipher what the bears are going to do here. And so I want to talk about Roy Robertson, Harris, Brent Urban, Mario Edwards, Jr. Barcavius Mingo all had, Various levels of success over the last couple of years with the Bears. Obviously, it was last two of the last year. I'm, I'm just kind of curious what we think about their value. What do you think the Bears do? They're going to bring back at least one of these guys, right? So let's let's start. Brad, can you kind of break down what you think the values of these guys are? Yeah, you know, frankly, the only guy I think that, and of, of course, he suffered an injury, and so maybe this is no longer the case, but. The only guy that I thought was going to have kind of multi-year value and, and probably signed for you know four or five million a year was Roy Robertson Harris. Uh, maybe you know honestly coming into the season I probably thought even more than that. I think I might be a bigger fan of, of his than others. But 
Um, even after the injury, I still think three years, 12 to 15 million. Um, I mean, look, he transferred, he converted from an outside linebacker to an interior defender and is, you know, pretty stout against the run kind of still needs to kind of take that next step and generating pressure on the quarterback. But kind of given his, his full, you know, storyline and all that, you'd, you'd think that would come along. Um, Urban is kind of a one-dimensional guy. I mean, was, was a phenomenal run defender this year, but really kind whoa, of, whoa, 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 down. whoa, I'm sorry. He stops the run and plays air guitar. That's two dimensions in my book. Very, very good point. I apologize. So I'm going to boost the contract up like a million and a half to, for that. But note. Just, just like another like fifty thousand, maybe. <laughs> and his his yeah, wife is gonna... his wife is a potential guest on Bears Over Beers because I've been trying to get her on. Man, I know she's drinking so, beers every weekend. I'm like, hey, come on the pod, and it, she it, has not responded. It could not be more perfect. So we got to give Brent his props, but. We'll t- I'll talk about Brandon a bit. What do you think? Sorry, about I didn't Mario? mean to cut you off. That's Just okay. want to give no. the air guitar some props. No apologies. And you're right. She had the video of the, whatever that song, the, um, what was it, uh, Fleetwood Mac song that was going viral and she was drinking beers. Yeah, so she would be a great guest. I'll listen to a Kate Urban uh, Beers Over Beers anytime. <laughs> Anyways, uh, and then Mario Edwards, you know, I thought they would probably look to bring him back on a one-year deal. He is out the first two games of the season uh, after suffering, you know, or suffering, after you know having a suspension, <laughs> after suffering from taking banned supplements. Um, so that kind of you know throws a question mark in the operation there. And then I also was really high on Marquevious Mingo. Uh, he kind of exceeded expectations for me. You know, I don't think he's going to come in and you know play significant snaps at edge rusher, but he's a solid rotational piece. Um, you know, play about 25-30% of the snaps, and was a good, really good special teamer. Um, so, you know, I, I liked him as well. I thought he could maybe come back on a, you know, one year or maybe even two year kind of three to five million, which for him would be a big bump from the, you know, the veteran minimum. Um, just cause yeah, he, he kind of, you know, Vauders is kind of coming along and is a solid player, but I don't know. I thought Mingo kind of stood out, uh, in his limited snaps and, and made an impact when he did get on the field. Yeah. He's got that pedigree. And it's interesting, a lot of these guys come in and they, you know, he's like, ah, these, really? Percadius Mingo? He's been in like, he's got seven different jerseys hanging at home, right? He's been all around the league. But he looked like, like you know, obviously he's got that physical talent. And I thought he flashed a few times and I was pretty impressed with him. And I, honestly, I'd like to see Urban come back. I think he just brings a, a good element to the game. He's obviously enjoying himself out there and, 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 and played well. I don't know how well he fits with Eddie Goldman coming back. Uh, obviously, he opted out last year. So I don't know if the Bears would prioritize bringing him back or not. But those are the kind of the two guys that stuck out to me. I, you know, I love Roy Robertson-Harris, but I think that he's too expensive. He's too much of a luxury to try to re- re-sign when you have – you have Hicks still on the roster, and you've got no money. So I find it hard to believe that they'll do that. They'll probably try to replace him. EJ, what would you do? What? How would you prioritize bringing these guys back, or are you kind of let them all test free agency? I don't think all. I, Roy Robertson-Harris, I agree, has the most sort of upside value and has, quite frankly, had the most production as well. And I would tell him and his agent, hey, our phone lines are open, right? Go test the market. Go see what you can get because the injury complicated things. Sans injury, I think you're just patting him on the back and saying, hey, man, thanks. We developed you, but somebody's going to drop a bag in your front porch and we can't. So we love you, but, you know, have fun. The injury, I think, leaves it open. The injury and the overall cap situation in the league allows you to sort of put that bug in his ear and say, hey, man, if you really like Chicago, we really like you. And if you're willing to be creative about how you get it done, give us a call. But look, if somebody blows you away and backs up the Brinks truck, you know, good on you. You you deserve it. 
Brent Urban I'm bringing back because he's a value and he played very solidly in his role. He was kind of the anti-Tayshawn Gibson. He didn't have a ton of flash. He made plays every game, but he was solid. He did not give up his gap. He was very effective for the snaps he was in there, and he got paid basically no money. So Urban is a guy that I would say go resign. You need guys like him that are are glue. They eat up a bunch of downs, and you can count on them to do their role and let the Khalil Max of the world, you know, go hunt. Uh, Mario Edwards Jr. played really well when he played, and then got hit with PED uh, suspension. I probably let him test the market again if he doesn't get any interest. I'd bring him back, uh, you know, again, reduced rate. You're going to get that with a PED suspension. But he played and showed, I would say, equal to or more flashes than Mingo. And Mingo played better than I thought. He was a guy, like you said, when he was signed, I wasn't all that excited. I was like, yeah, not really. But he came in and they kept his usage low and he made flash plays. And you saw the speed and the length, which were two things that were big in his profile when he got drafted, show up on special teams, which I absolutely sort of hadn't factored into the equation. Not typically where, you know, starting DEs end up playing or edge players, but he wasn't a starting edge, so they felt plenty good about rolling him out there on special teams. And here is a big, fast guy that's wrecking things, a la CP. And I was like, okay, this guy has value. So Urban and Mingo would be the two that I would be like, yep, let's see if we can get these guys back. Again, if somebody wants to pay Mingo big for what he did last year, let him go. Roy Robertson-Harris, it's a call-us deal, and if the market's kind of soft or slow to develop, eh, maybe you sneak in and steal him. Edwards, I'd probably let go. Yeah, I think we're on the same page, particularly with those first two guys. All right, the last two guys I have are special teamers, and I wanted to bring these guys up because um, I don't think that we talk about the punter ever, and the kicker we talk about way too much. But (laughs) Cairo Santos had a heck of a year. And Cairo Santos has been a good kicker in this league before he got injured. The Bears might have stumbled into a legitimate kicker. Now, he was just signed to a one-year deal. He's a free agent. Pat O'Donnell's also a free agent. What's their likely value on the free agent market, and what do the Bears do here, Brad? Yeah, so with Pat O'Donnell, I think you you let him go. Uh, I think unless you're like a top third of the NFL punter, you might as well just sign an undrafted free agent and just take the savings of, you know, a million bucks or whatever. He was fine. You know, I don't think he was ever bad. He didn't shank anything like the, uh, what, Townsend for the Chiefs four times in the Super Bowl. But but he's not like, a you know, he's not like flipping the field on a consistent basis for you. So I think you just have to save money there. And, and I'll be honest, I've been nervous about Cairo Santos for going back to about week nine or ten because, yes, he was excellent this year. He was truly phenomenal. I want to say it was like 30 of 32 on field goals. One of those misses was, oh, you know, 50-plus yards, so, you know, maybe not even expecting him to make it. But it scares me because the thing about these kickers is, I mean, look, Cairo Santos was a street-free agent coming into the season. Graham Gano was another guy who was a street-free agent coming into the season. The Giants already extended him mid-season for, I think he's the second highest contract for a kicker behind Justin Tucker now. I maybe, I'll admit that maybe there's some Cody Parkey in my brain, but the way kickers work is they get on a heater, they get on a hot streak, 
but you never know what's going to happen. His injury issue before, the reason why he was available was a groin, which we've now seen with Eddie Pinero for two years in a row. He can't get healthy, can't fix his groin. So, look, Sam, I'm not going to deny, he was phenomenal. But I think he's asking for near top of the market money at kicker. I think he'd ask for four to four and a half million per year. So that on a four-year deal, that'd be about 17 or 18 million. And again, if this was a normal year where the cap went up 10, 10 million as opposed to going down 10 million, I think the Bears would just say, look, we got to do it. We've had so many kicker issues. How nice was it this year? Not having to worry about it. And also the added component of, we saw him do it in Soldier Field. We didn't just see him do it in the NFL, not in the dome, but in our you know bad grass and windy stadium. So I do expect Santos to be back, and I do think they're going to give him a nice little chunk of money. Um, yeah, O'Donnell, I think, is gone, and they'll just kind of go bargain bin there. What, you said, what would you do? I would probably let both go. I know Bears fans don't want to hear that. I know people say, look, we haven't had a kicker for so long. How can you say that? I guess I just have Cody Parking on the brain. <laughs> Brad, how can you say that? How can you say that? No, I, yeah, I'm with you that uh, Megapunt, you know, he's fine. He was fine. I'm not giving him any money. He can probably go earn it someplace else. I have no problem whatsoever about going out and getting the next in a long line of um, Australian punters from that one punter school that, you know, gets everybody scholarships in the U.S. and finding a guy that can just bang it, you know, that you're picking up either as a UDFA or with a seven-round pick. That's fine. Santos is a different deal altogether, and it is because of the Cody Parkies of the world and the Pinheiros and everybody else. Like, it has been so long since I stopped clenching when the Bears kicked that I can't remember when. And about a third of the way through the year, I was like, wait, I don't have to worry anymore. Like, I just don't have to worry anymore. This is weird. And I I was sort of the same thing. I was like, it's going to fall off. He's, you know, the weather's going to get bad. He's going to get hurt, whatever. And he never did. He just powered on through the year and made kicks, and I didn't worry. And for that alone, I am paying him. I will give him a tum sponsorship, right? <laughs> whatever it takes to get him back because he was money. Now, top of the market kicker money, eh, sure, play a little hardball, try and get him in maybe top third, but if he really pushes the hammer to the wall, you get him back. Because Soldier Field is a very notoriously difficult place to kick. He demonstrated, and I didn't have to worry. So what I'm going to do, I'm, that guy's back in a Bears jersey because he was so damn solid that we stopped talking about it like a third of the way through the year. And that is the mark of a tremendous kicker. Yeah, I think it was like week four. I like asked you on on this podcast. I was like, EJ, did the Bears find a kicker? Kind of, like kind of seems was really like they early did. in the year where I was like, I'm fine with this guy. This guy's great, and he just yeah, I'm bringing him go. back. Yeah, he comes back for that reason alone. I hack. I, I agree with you on O'Donnell because uh, you know why pay a guy um, that's never really been above average. But I, I Michael Dixon, the guy from uh, the the Seahawks, I, I, hack, I he's really really good. And I actually, I want to ask you the question, what would you pay him? What's his contract value if he came up on as a free agent? Not that he's going to, but what would you pay him? Yeah, so it's the last year of his deal. No, I mean, look, he, he'd become the highest paid punter in the NFL, I, I would imagine, um, which right now I, th I think is uh, the guy down in New Orleans. I'm blanking, I'm blanking on his name. He's been there forever. Um, but yeah, it's about like, it's like $5 million a year, which is a lot for a punter, but 
he's a true difference maker, right? Like a Justin Tucker as a kicker, like the guy is is an actual difference maker at the position. Those guys you kind of have to pay. Uh, oh, Thomas Morstead is the guy in, in New Orleans yep. who's been who's been incredible for like a decade. So yeah, like I, I think he would be looking for about five million per year. Over they they tend to give those guys long term deals. They can just push stuff out. There's not a lot of guarantees, but yeah, you know, like five years, twenty five million for Dixon, something like that. Yeah, okay, that's what I that's what I figured. Yeah, yeah, Morstead and and Hecker, some of the, the better punters in the league. I just I don't know what their salaries are, but I'm thinking that guy's got to reset the market because when I did a five questions exchange with the with the Seahawks site last year, or whatever, that's all they wanted to talk about was their punter. <laughs> They they wanted they asked they actually asked one of their questions to me about how much I knew about their punter. I was like, I okay. <laughs> like they were obsessed with this guy. You're like, guys, so, guys, you're talking about a special teamer. Now, I I mean, I'm all good with that, but you know, you know punters are great. They're they're people too. But like, too. I, I I mean, I admit I didn't know about him until the Bears played him, and then I watched him. It's like, oh oh, now I get it. Like he actually is really good. Like he's a weapon. But this is so, the part where I remind Bears fans that there was a guy named Tress Way, yeah, in Bears camp. And yes, they went absolutely. Um, nah, we're gonna stay with Mega Punt. <laughs> Tressway's yep. just crushing it for the Washington Football Team. Has been better in every measurable than O'Donnell since then, and came in a much lower cost because that was right uh, as they had just resigned O'Donnell to a contract. Um, so you know you can go get punters now. You don't want a guy to shank four punts in a game. That's incredibly terrible. But there are these guys and. I think they're easier to find than kickers because they're their own holder. Um, it's not as effective. They're not putting the ball in the grass or the turf or whatever else. Um, so it's just a little bit easier, and there's a ton of them, and you don't have to pay for them. You can get them as a UDFA. Uh, you can get two of them as a UDFA, have them have a punter duel if there is such a thing, and then just keep the one that you like better. Got to have a camp leg. Yeah, it's not It's not like kicker. No, and, and – Unless you're on Kansas City and you, you don't punt, you're going to have a bigger sample size, right? So you are going to shank a few throughout the year, but you have a, an actual sample size where you can evaluate a punter. Whereas kickers only have a certain, you know, a small number of field goal attempts, and so if they miss a few, that actually looks really bad. But it's not really enough to really tell. It's all significant statistical significance and stuff like that. We won't get into that because it's an hour 15 in and no one wants to hear about stats but no nobody wants to hear about punters an hour and 15 (laughs) well punter stats well you know i went to i went to school went to high school with a guy that is iowa state's uh, hall of fame punter like he was their all century punter or whatever so you know i i shag a few punts in my day punter Um, punter love is okay it's cool yeah you know punters are people too so I want to end this free agent conversation, and I want to ask Brad because he worked hard on putting together values. And I don't expect the Bears to be very active in the front end of free agency. I think that their free agency is re-signing some of their guys and deciding who they're going to let test the market or or walk altogether. But is there anybody out there that is probably going to hit free agency that you're like, oh, man, that is such an interesting fit with Chicago. I really hope that he comes here. Yeah, so none of these are big names. They're not exciting names, but I, I frankly don't think that the Bears are going to make any splash signings this offseason. Uh, but I think the, the value they could return could be huge. Uh, the first one for me, a big name, uh, not a big name, but a hu- could be a huge addition is Matt Feeler from the Pittsburgh Steelers. 
Uh, he played right tackle this past year because he had some injuries, but he's also played at both guard spot the past couple of years. And he graded very well for us at PFF, and I, I happened to throw on some tape, and he looked like a good player, knew what he was doing at a position he had not played, frankly. And so I think there's a ton of value there. I think you could get him for like two years, $10 million, maybe $12 million, and you could have him as, your, as, your, as a backup tackle. You could also throw him at one of the guard spots. I think he just brings a ton of value because you can plug and play him anywhere, um, and they may, they may have a few question marks on the line. Um, and then a second one, I think an interesting guy could be tight end Gerald Everett from the Rams. It's not a huge market. It's, or there's not a lot of you know big names at tight end this offseason, so he may get a bigger market than expected, but I don't think it'll be huge. Um, and I think if they do move on from Jimmy Graham, you know, he's kind of more of a speed, you know, traditional move tight end. So be a good player opposite, you know, Cole Komet, um, you know, brings different skills to the table. Um, but again, I think you get him for maybe three years, 15 million, again, like a 5 million per year deal. And then the last one would just be wide receiver uh, from the Seahawks, David Moore, um, kind of a speed guy, outside guy, but a deep threat. I think they need to address that spot. You know, I just I just don't think Javon Williams can be your option at, at that spot again going forward. So, you know, again, not an exciting name, not going to sign a big deal. But just these small additions that I think can have large, you know, value in return um, and I think are more realistic options than maybe the names folks were hoping, I would say. No, I think, I mean, that's where I'm at. I think the, the win in this offseason is to not – go out and spend on a big free agent it's like last year where we were cheering in the first round when pace didn't trade into the first the back of the first round right <laughs> this is this is one of those situations where you're hoping for inaction and and that's because the the cap just quite frankly is not in the bears favor there's other teams that are set up to to handle this and the bears are not one of them ej i don't know how much you've been diving into the draft room and you know we're gonna obviously dedicate a few episodes of bears over beers here to to draft stuff but any free agents that you've seen that you've kind of got your eye on as potential ads for the bears i'm with you they need to they need to stay in the second wave or even the third wave in terms of bargain basement shopping the cap situation overall is going to make it a very odd year for that but those guys who are in the sort of second and even top of the third tier could make for some really interesting values as role players and we talked about the bears shortage at wide receiver um, they definitely, you know, if they don't re-sign Allen Robinson, they're they're staring down needing probably at least two wide receivers, um, if not three. And some guys down the roster, uh, I get to see plenty of more um, being in the Pacific Northwest. But um, it'll be really interesting to see Corey Davis's value. He's going to be a big name. That would be a sort of try and replace Robinson for a lot less than Robinson. But if you go down the list, it's Keelan Cole from Jacksonville had a very sort of under the radar productive mm. year. Um, and then uh, Demir bird is a free agent with uh, new England. And he was on the end of some of those cam passes, especially early in the season. That was really interesting. Um, so there's a couple of guys there that would again, be third or fourth wide receivers, but you're going to need that. Tight end would be really interesting to get a speed guy, but I think there's about three speed guys that are available. And other than that, it's just throw a draft pick at it. And the other one I think right. the Bears need to update is running back. And uh, I know Tariq Cohen's coming back. David Montgomery's obviously well established as the number one, but I, I really do think they need to add something in that room. But it's it's down the board. And there's not a ton of guys, so I would I would almost like you said go fishing, pick up a couple of UDFAs and see if they could slot in. If not, um, a guy I've wanted before, uh, 
DeAndre Washington uh, is more like a Tariq Cohen uh, alternate than a David Montgomery alternate. Uh, but right. any of the big backs that are out there, bigger backs, um, I just don't. There, there are a lot of guys the Bears have talked about before. Guys like Lamar Miller, who was you know in camp and or on the team, and Alfred Morris, and and guys that are you know well up there. Alfred Morris is still in the league. Yes, he played for the Giants this year. They signed him late, and he oh played really well. God. It was crazy. But Tevin Coleman's going to be sort of top of the market guy. Um, and again, that sort of tells you where the top of the market is. There's not a lot of running backs in free agency that I'd sign. So. Um, yeah, I think I'd probably go fishing for running backs and, and probably a speed tight end. Wide receiver, I might dip in if one of those guys really doesn't get um, a contract that they like, or you can try and lowball him, see if he'd come in, play a supporting role. Um, yeah. Alfred Morris was on the Dallas Cowboys during the year that they did the All or Nothing uh, on the Amazon Prime show, whatever. And I'm telling you, I mean, Dak was fine. But, like, there was zero likable guys on that Cowboys team outside of Alfred Morris. Like, I've never watched a, a, a season where there's, like, there's no character to root for here <laughs> except for the backup running back. Like, it was it was so crazy that uh, Alfred Morris was, like, my favorite guy on that show. So let's talk about the beers and and let's uh let's close up here so uh ej you are not drinking beer you are drinking seltzer so i'm not going to ask for your review of a seltzer uh brad how was your ipa it was good i also just want to shout out ej for using a koozie on his seltzer that's true yeah I, he totally fooled me yeah true dedication to the koozie cause i respect it uh, i'm a fellow koozie enthusiast um the, the beer was really good I, get, I know you don't love your your ipas but i really enjoyed it um, that's kind of my favorite type of beer is pale ales or kind of, you know, hoppy, kind of, you know, juicy IPAs. So, yeah, Save the Robots uh, from Rhode Island. I, I would give it, I don't know, you do that ratings out of 10, I would give it a 7.3, which is high. I'm, I'm a tough grader. That's that's awesome. No, I, I can do a pale ale, but once it gets above a certain bitterness unit, and, and the bitterness unit is only from hops, uh, I can't do it. If it's balanced with malt, so like in an imperial stout, I'm I'm okay with higher bitterness units, but it's an imbalance. I'm not a big fan of. I this CBS the uh, Canadian breakfast out. It's phenomenal. The thing is, is that it's 11.3 percent alcohol, <laughs> and so um, I'm 80 percent, 90 percent done, and like I can feel it. You know, it's it's a it is a strong beer. So well worth the money because this is not cheap. And it is not easily found. Kentucky Breakfast Stout is really difficult to find. I think Canadian Breakfast Stout is just as difficult. It's seasonal. It's tough to find. But if you do happen to be in the store when you find it, grab yourself a four-pack or a bomber if you're daring or you have somebody to split it with and uh, treat yourself because this is fantastic. Or buy it in case, you know, you ever have me over for a beer because I would you would make me very happy. So I want to repeat that we are going to get together for a live stream at some point next week we're going to check in with steven schweikert he's going to run it through the windy city gridiron website so you'll be able to make uh, comments on the website or join us on twitch and make comments on the twitch feed we have a ton of fun on the windy city gridiron live stream during the year sunday mornings with sam householder myself and steven schweikert we've had guests on over the years as well 
a ton of fun to do that. We did this last year with a draft run where we did a mock draft with EJ and he talked through the, the whole first round and then we went through the Bears picks. We plan on doing that again this year, but we want to start off with this free agent tool. So please check us out on Twitter. Make sure that you're following up and we'll have a live stream next week and talk a little bit more detail with Brad on that. So Brad, thank you so much for coming on and doing this. You are, I think you spend 10 hours on Twitter because the volume of tweets that you put out uh, are just, it's like every other tweet on my feed sometimes, but you're, tell people where they can find you and what you're working on. Well, I hope my employer doesn't hear that. No, uh, you know, <laughs> I, I, uh, I kind of have it as like, part, it's some part of the job to a degree. So I do spend probably too much time on Twitter, but yeah, you can find me on there uh, at PFF underscore Brad. Um, and I'm talking, you know, salary cap and contracts and, and anything to do with free agency, you know, the franchise tags I mentioned. Um, and then, of course, we'll kind of transition into, you know, the, the draft, of course. Um, so, yeah. Um, and, 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 of course, Bears fans. So, you know, some some of that as well. Um, but, yeah, always always try to answer as many questions as possible and, and flood JB's feed to, to an extreme. I meant it as a compliment. I'm, <laughs> I'm not saying you're actually on that much. I'm saying there's such good stuff and it's in volume that you need to be following Brad and he's a must-follow if you're a Bears fan. So, EJ, what about you? What are you working on, man? What's going on over at Bootleg? Oh, man, I am deep in draft prep and have been for several weeks now. But um, tearing through that class, trying to get at least one game of everybody under my belt, multiple games at the sort of higher-end positions. But uh, we'll start draft content up pretty soon on Bootleg. We have one more sort of regular show, which is the Bootleg All-Star uh, or All-Pro program uh, a first for us we'll be doing that actually recording that this week Um, and after that we're going to be into both pods and live streams with draft content we'll have a full run-up like we did for you last year there as well Um, and other than that popping in on some other podcasts i did a, a field goals podcast talking about seahawks draft needs with my good buddy brandon over there that puts that together um, did some live reports during the draft last year with him, and he had me back, so that was fantastic. Strangely, JB, we ended up talking long enough that he cut it into multiple podcasts. Can you imagine? I can't imagine you going long. No, that's so crazy. weird. But, uh, yeah, so keep an eye on Twitter. You can find me at the Draftsman FB, and all the Bears over beers and bootleg stuff will pop up there. JB, what are you doing this off season? I've got a couple of real cool projects I'm working on. I'm really excited to share them with you. I'm not quite ready to talk specifics yet, but let's just say that there is a a figure from Bears history that has left an indelible mark that I think you guys are going to really enjoy. Oh, I love it. Teasers. Teasers are so good. Oh, yeah. That's awesome. Well, Brad, thanks for coming back, being a repeat guest. We're going to have some fun next week on the live stream. We appreciate you volunteering to do that as well. If you're not following Brad on Twitter, you should because he can make sense of all that. I was told there would be no math numbers that come with the salary cap. So uh, my resource for that for sure. So until then, uh, we will see you next week on the live stream. But thanks for tuning in, and we will talk to you soon.